0: I had the honor of sitting down with a very strong, remarkable woman named Tanya Oxendine. Tanya joined the United States Army a year after finishing high school, mostly to run away from a very difficult childhood and abusive family. Unfortunately, she left one abusive situation only to find herself in another, and the first half of her nearly 30-year Army career was marred by sexual abuse and harassment. At the time, she bottled it all up because she was afraid that if she spoke out, she would lose everything, and she was good at her job. And she otherwise loved her job, which included being a paratrooper, and she loved serving her country. But at some point shortly after a deployment to Afghanistan, everything came roaring to the surface, and Tanya was forced to reconcile with it. She got the help that she needed through the Wounded Warrior Project and she is now a Warrior Speak spokesperson, making it her mission to help women just like her get the help that they deserve. That's important for many, many, many reasons, obviously. And it's also important because menopause. Women who have been through trauma are much more likely to have a more difficult menopause transition with more severe symptoms. We've done two shows on that topic alone. Also, severe menopausal symptoms, such as hot flashes and difficulty sleeping, can heighten existing post-traumatic stress symptoms for women who have suffered trauma, which puts women like Tanya in a vicious cycle, to say the least. Female veterans are especially at risk for past trauma and may often feel like they just have to tough it out, which can make all of this worse. Tanya herself struggled with severe hot flashes and mental health symptoms that resurged during her menopause transition. And she, like most women, didn't realize these connections between her past experiences and what she was going through. So we decided to talk about all of it. Because as we say all the time on this show, there is no greater way to address stigma and shame than by shining a big bright light into the corners where they lurk and bringing everything out into the open and being transparent. None of us is alone, but there's no doubt that many of us often feel alone. In fact, when you look at the statistics from the Wounded Warrior Project, you see that 44% of Wounded Warrior Project women warriors indicate that they have experienced sexual assault. Uh, That's a rate that is two and a half times higher than females in the general United States population. 57% Have reported experiencing moderate to severe depressive symptoms. More than 51% have presented with moderate to severe PTSD. 60% have had severe anxiety. And unsurprisingly, the vast majority 87% feel like those outside of the military do not understand their experience. So it's just important to put it out there that help is available. And I will put a link to the Wounded Warrior Project in the show notes. This show, obviously, gets pretty heavy, but it also gets remarkably light. Tanya is living proof that even in the darkest of tunnels, there can be light on the other side. And I really, really appreciate her sharing her story, and I'm sure it will help others. I hope you enjoy and get as much out of this as I did. I would also like to take just a moment to invite anyone listening who has a female friend or a loved one who is in the service or who is, in a, who is a veteran uh, who may be going through the menopause transition herself, share the show, share our resources with them. We all know how hard it can be to do the activities and the sports that we love when the symptoms come raining down. And the military is a very active place. Military veterans are very active people. So let's spread the word about how we can work with our changing physiology and manage our symptoms to keep on keeping on. Okay, before we get to it, as always, check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Beisty Menopause. Sign up for my free weekly menopause blog at beistymenopause.com. And come on, check out our membership. If you like these conversations, you can have... Several of them a month, one-on-one time with experts in our Level Up Menopause membership. That's at feistymenopause.com as well. Uh, Thanks so much for the continued great reviews and five-star ratings. We've hit 500 now, and it really, really does help me continue to get great guests for the show, so I very much appreciate it. Finally, a very quick thanks to our sponsor, Bonafide. I've heard from a number of you who have found hot flash relief from their product, Relazin. And I have sung the praises of their Vaginal Moisturizing Product Reverie many times. It helps me stay comfortable in the bike saddle for hours on end. And I also really love their hair and uh, skin serums. So thanks, Bonafide, for all your support. You've been there from pretty much the beginning, and I really appreciate you. All right. Enough of me. Let's hear a few words about those awesome sponsors and get on with the show. (music) Well, Tanya, I have really honestly been looking forward to this conversation since we we hooked up. I want to first thank you for your service and thank you uh, for the incredibly important service that you continue to provide with your voice. What you're doing is so important and so essential. I just appreciate you on many levels and I wanted to put that up front.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs>
0: Before we get to, to some of the heavier ground to start with, I actually I yeah. really want to hear about um, being a paratrooper, because ah. how did you become a military parachutist? Well, um,
1: actually, I and, and I started kind of late. To Most people, when they become a military par- parachutist, they go from basic training, they've already made their choice, and they go straight into, you know, uh, airborne school or airborne training, I, on the other hand, had never really knew all the things that the military had to offer. So I was about 33 years old when when I when I did this. Um, So I was in a junior leaders course, an army course, um, uh, and I saw this soldier and I said, damn, he looked good. I mean, he looked good anyway, but his uniform. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. his uniform and his his maroon beret and his boots, they shine bright. You know how like when the sun hit the lake just right, it was that kind of brightness coming off of his boots. I mean, they were spit shine, like we say. Right. And I said to myself, I don't know what this man do or who he is, but I want to do and be whatever he's got going on. Right. And when I got back to my unit, because the course was probably about two months long. Well, yeah, about two months long. And when I got back to my original unit, my home station unit, I said, What is this airborne paratrooper stuff? And it was like, oh, you have to apply and get accepted, and I was like, well, where do I sign up? I I didn't know anything about, you know, or you know, you jump out the airplane. I mean, it, you know, kind of layman's turn kind of makes sense, but what it all entailed, right? And oh my goodness! So when I and I wasn't ever like afraid of heights, and the the reason I wasn't because i would never been up anywhere high, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> and so you know, after I got back to my um, a duty assignment or my duty station. I said, you know, I want to do this. And I filled like out the paperwork got accepted. A few months later, um, went to Fort Benning, Georgia, uh, where they do airborne school. And the training started from there. And you have to train on this 20, 250 foot tower. First, you do all these jumps uh, uh, and they're teaching you how to jump out of an airplane and, and that kind of thing. And then it's time after you've done that training. Um, It's kind of like three stages, kind of like middle. I mean, you know, uh, grade school, you got elementary, middle and high school. So you go to these different stages. And once you get to high school, that's when you have to jump out the real airplane.
0: (laughs) What are you landing on in that
1: in those first scenarios? If you, oh, so in the first scenario, you're in a 250 foot tower. So it's almost like a zip line cord. Of, if okay. I can, yeah. And so when you land, you don't really land because this thing is helping you down there, giving you the illusion of when you're jumping from that height. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. but all the safety equipment, everything is there to keep you where you don't even until it's time to jump for real, for real. So now you have to put all that into practice because you don't get this zip line. You just have to depend on your parachute to open and all that. But you know, all that, those safety things, and they teach us and train us all of that uh, in the the course. And, you know, we get, so in the initial training, we have to jump five times, four day jumps, one night jump. Well, all five of mine were night jumps because my eyes were closed. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, and then, you know, you, the, the object of that is to go to an airborne unit. And I went to the 82nd airborne after my training um, and just, um, you know, continue to jump. I have 77 jumps under my belt um, total. And um, I became a uh, master jump master and where now I train the soldiers to jump and um, was pretty much, you know, just in charge of the aircraft, making sure everyone was safe and and giving out the commands and all that stuff, where I became the the
0: trainer, so to speak. Wow, that's uh, yeah, that's very cool. I I I've always I, I bungee jumped twice in the same mm-hmm. day, yeah. and yeah. I was like, I've always been intrigued with that idea of sort of parachuting, but I I also just don't tempt fate more than yeah. And, and
1: then those jumps are twelve hundred and fifty feet, so the highest that I've ever jumped was a tandem jump. Um, and that was thirteen thousand feet, but that was wow. tandem. Yeah, I was, you know, on some, you know, that's a tandem jump yeah. where you're under. Yeah, someone's on top of you're under them, and yeah, but that was fun too. I mean, and 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 I so, and I know you say, were you scared? Hell yeah, because right? <laughs> that's not necessarily normal. You just do it. The more you do it, the more proficient you do it, the more confident you become. And 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 of course the reason for doing that is to uh, uh, protect and defend our country in case we have to jump into uh, to you know if it's a war going on and jump uh, in the, on the
0: battlefield and that kind of thing. But but yeah. <laughs> wow. Did, did you ever sustain any injuries doing that?
1: Oh yeah, I got a few injuries. Um. So uh, on our equipment, we have. Um... Now listen, I didn't say no. Oh, you don't got it wrong. Uh, static, our release assembly here, right? So you have to, it's this, like these big clips here. So you have to hit those canopy, you know, the release assembly so that your parachute, because once you land on the ground and you, you do land on the ground, certain techniques to keep your feet and knees together so you don't hurt yourself. So you have these big clips here and you have to pop the clip, which is really easy. And then the parachute won't catch air. You know, then it'll, it'll deflate, so to speak. Well, the wind was blowing so hard that day. The wind was just blowing so hard and I could not find my canopy release assembly. I mean, because I was getting drug across what we call the drop zone is just this really open field that we jump onto um during, you know, peacetime. And I was getting drug across the drop zone and I was trying to find my canopy release assembly, but I needed to stay calm. And I was like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, you know, because I don't need to get, because, you know, you can get dragged around. And I finally popped that canopy release assembly. And I'm telling you, it was scratches and I mean, because I was in a pile of bushes and just (laughs) drug and bleeding and this. And then the soldiers, you know, they come running out. We got you. We got you. I was like, get away from me. I can make it back by myself. (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, you want (laughs) to. But, yeah. and, And I broke my. So a bunch of bumps and bruises. I broke my tailbone um, once. That was really hard. Again, the winds picked up uh, and I landed, uh, you know, kind of crooked. Um, but yeah, that was the worst was bumping my tailbone, tailbone. I mean, breaking my tailbone. But the other stuff is kind of it comes with the territory, busted lips and bruises and that kind of stuff.
0: <laughs> I understand. <Yeah. laughs> I'm a mountain bike racer. I understand. all Yeah, that.
1: yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, that that is that is amazing. Um, so, so let's rewind and give a bit of your history. Uh, you had to say you had a rough childhood is, is an understatement. You know, I've listened to some podcasts and read your, your history and, you know, you have a history of sexual abuse and just not a good situation. And you did join the army as my understanding, mostly to run away from that childhood. What, what were you looking for in the army? Like why specifically were you going to the army?
1: Yeah. And I had no idea again, uh, I wanted to go to college after high school, but again, we didn't have anything. You know, we were poor. I didn't know about, you know, that you can get student loans and this guidance counselor never called me into the office. I was a pretty good student too, stayed on the honor roll, but just never got called in the office and got that counseling that I needed. Um, And one day I was walking across town to one of my friend's house and the recruiting stations were along the way. And I just walked in the first door. And the first door happened to be the Army's door. I mean, I could have been a Marine if it was the first door. I could have been an Airman if it was the first door. But the first door was the Army. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to school. I have to get away from where I'm at. I'm just going to join the Army. I didn't know at the time that anybody in my family was in the Army except my uncle. He's a Vietnam War Purple Heart recipient. But I didn't know at the time because we're not a military family, so to speak. But yeah, when I found out more about the Army doing my, you know, going back to the recruiting station and visiting with the recruiter, I was like, this is my savior. Like, this is what I need to do. I can provide a better life for myself. I can get, you know, all these people can help me. We can be a team, all the stuff that's talked about. And which is true, right? You know, I can get some peace. I can get some love. I can get some guidance. I can get some goodness. I can get, I can run the hell away from this stuff. It was better than where I was at. So yeah, that, those are my reasons for leaving. I knew I was going to leave anyway. That was just one of, that was the vehicle that really took me away from that. I mean, I, I was going to leave uh, that that area period, but that vehicle took me away and I'm, and I'm glad I did.
0: Yeah. And let's, and let's talk about that because this is, you know, the irony of that. And, and I'm, and I, and I do want to talk about the, the dichotomy here because We're going to talk about some dark things, but you also have, obviously, some positive things to say about all all of your experience in the military. Um, You know, you endured sexual assault and rape, I believe, you know, at the hands of senior leaders in basic training, you know. And um, my understanding also is that we continue on and off for for 15 years until you got to a, a rank high enough to be like, this is not happening so I listened to you talk about this on the Higher Ground podcast, and I can put a link to that in the show notes because that was a very moving, very great show. Um, and you explain very understandably, you didn't tell anyone because you're scared, you're young, it feels like your fault, you're going to lose your job, you don't want to go back to where you came, and you're also good at what you're doing, right? So you don't want to like, get thrown out of that. I That's all very understandable. My question, I guess, is, where do you put the trauma when you're in it? You know because when you speak of your services you just did, you talk about these positives among this tra- trauma and these negatives. Mm-hmm. How is that compartmentalizing happening?
1: Yeah, um didn't know at the time that I was compartmentalizing it. I mean that's a lot of syllables. Compartment. <laughs> yeah, right? right? I didn't know at the time. Right, I didn't know at the time that's what I was doing. Uh again for me, um, being there for my soldiers. And look, here I am again. I can feel it coming on, right? Because nobody was ever there for me. And I don't blame my mom. She was trying to do the best she could, but what the hell she had. She had it rough as well. If I had it rough, she had it worse, right? So for me to be able to take care of somebody else, that's where I got my strength, You know, so it didn't matter because guess what? I was already used to that bad shit happening to me. I can handle it and I'm tough. I know how to, you know, get rid of that. But what made me stronger and better and to just push it away, I guess, to compartmentalize it was that because I loved my job. I loved my soldiers. I became great at what I was doing. I became a great paratrooper. I became a great leader. And the more I took care of people, the more all that other stuff didn't matter. The more I became more mentally tough, the more I became my mental fortitude just kicked in. I was already that, but the army just said, you know what, we're gonna add a little bit more seasoning to that and we're gonna build you up and we're gonna make you taste better and gooder and all that stuff, right? So I just that's 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 just how it's ha- happened. I wasn't thinking about, oh, I need to push this to the side. It just became natural for me to do. Um, yeah, it just became natural for me to do because. As a as a leader and as the type of person that I was, and especially as a black woman and being a senior leader, you know, it it was tough and I couldn't act out at times, you know, to be stereotyped or whatever. And again, I didn't think about those things. I just know that I had to be a tough person. And what made me that way was to continue to serve and take care of people that just made me better. Um, And I didn't complain. I did what I had to do. I we have a term in the military say suck it up. And I think sometimes we get that, and I'm just gonna speak for myself, mm-hmm. that we get that misconstrued with, oh, you, you 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 have to be vulnerable and not show, I mean, if the weakness and not showing weakness type of thing. But for me, sucking it up made me stronger for somebody else. I didn't realize that I was, you know, pushing this stuff down until, and I know we'll get into it until till, until later on. But I think I'm I'm happy that I did because me being the strong mentally strong person that I am and what I was what I learned and what it taught me it helped me to be a better me and to help me be a better leader. I hope I hope that kind of makes sense.
0: It, it does, and um, I guess you know I don't want to I don't want to spend. You could spend a whole podcast talking about this. Yeah. I don't want <laughs> I don't I don't want to do that. Yeah. I mean, I guess you know the question is it it from what. I understand just from talking to other people and from reading about this and listening, you know, that was a time when that culture was more, um, there was more of that abusive culture inside, right? Um, As you were going through it, when you talk about helping other people, were you able to then sort of protect some other women coming up Mm -hmm. as well?
1: Mm -hmm. I'm going to answer that. I'm going to say yes, that I was, because I could see the signs before they you know of course before you know maybe a man was noticing what was going on i would notice that another man that a man may be saying the wrong thing to a a young female or to another woman um i would pull her to the side hey i got you come talk to me again nobody wants to we all join for certain reason i didn't want to lose my job and 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 back then um i don't want to you know i guess you can say back then but sometimes when you're in a position you have to do what you have to do to survive. You have to right and to protect yourself and to protect others. Um, should I have spoken up? Eh, yeah. Did I? No, I didn't. Now we are, you know, so th- this is the time, right? We didn't then. We, 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 we know better, we do better. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna say that I hope that I did save some young women. Um didn't know about any men at that at that, at that time, but I'm gonna hope, say that I hope that I did was able to, to save um some young women. Um Again, we, we, you know, we just got to have a supportive, a a, a supportive team because that's really a powerful tool and to speak out about it, to come, to combat this stigma and this shame of, of, of sexual assault, sexual abuse, and just all that stuff. We we just have to continue to do that. And, and I'm definitely stronger. I was strong then, but I'm definitely strong enough now to do it because I ain't scared of nobody. Hell, I jumped out of airplanes for a living. I love
0: it. That's right. That's right. I love it. Musculoskeletal health is everything during menopause. Everyone knows how much I love Joint Health Plus from Prevenex, which has helped me get back to distance running after arthritic toes stopped me in my tracks. Now they have a product that has become my go-to for muscle strength and recovery, Muscle Health Plus. Muscle Health Plus contains all the key ingredients we talk about on this show, like creatine monohydrate, essential amino acids, and branched chain amino acids, Plus, even more cutting-edge ingredients like HMB and estrogen that are scientifically shown to increase muscle growth, recovery, and strength. I use it every day during my early morning lifting sessions, and there's no question that it helps my power during those workouts and my recovery after. Plus, I love having everything I need from the best high-quality ingredients in one reasonably priced shake. I've also heard from fellow users who have had bloating or GI upset in the past from creatine that haven't had any of that with Muscle Health Plus. I make my shake with almond milk and espresso, but it's also good with ice cold water, which makes the flavor really pop. As always, you can get 15% off your first order with the code HIPPLAY, all caps, one word, at Previnex.com. That's HIPPLAY, all caps, one word, at Previnex.com. Do your muscles a favor and head on over and get some today. For decades, running shoes have been researched tested and designed for men. Brands have relied on the shrink it and pink it approach to sell male shoes to female customers. That's why we are stoked to be working with Hedda's. Hedda's designs athletic footwear for women that elevates performance, safety, and style. Hedda's has unlocked the science behind women's biomechanics through dedicated research and creates better shoes for women's performance. Some of HEDAS' special features include a lower ankle collar to reduce rubbing on women's ankle bones, a breathable mesh toe box to allow for ventilation and accommodate female toe shape, a more narrow and reductive heel cup to reduce heel slippage and take pressure off the Achilles, a rounded instep that creates a snug fit through the middle to match the curvature of a woman's foot, and supercritical foam and a Pvex plate in the midsole to keep our legs going when the going gets tough. Hedda's has three shoe models designed for different sessions, the Alma Cruise for your long runs, the Alma Tempo for training days, and the Alma Speed for pushing the pace. I've been running in the Alma Tempos, and they are a pleasure to train in. You can get your own pair of Hedda's at Hedda's.com and use the code FEISTY20, that's all caps, FEISTY20, for 20% off. Check it out today. We'll put a clickable link in the show notes to make it a snap. So your first deployment was Iraq, correct? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I listened to you speak about that on the Higher Ground podcast, too. And, you know, what really struck me, Tanya, is how that pain is still right below the surface. You talked about losing a soldier and just listening to you, like, fighting back tears these all these years later. um, It was it was really, really moving. And. That was two thousand twelve. And there's just a quote, you know, I'd read in something that you wrote about this or was talking about this. It said, it hit all at once in 2012 during the deployment in Afghanistan, the childhood memories, the memories of sexual abuse in the military, the memories of death and suffering I saw, all this stuff came crashing down. I could not take it anymore. Can you talk a little bit about like what what happened in 2012 that brought all this to the surface?
1: Yeah. Celine. yeah, we had so many heroes. Um that came through Kandahar Kandahar's uh, hospital I was in Kandahar in, in Afghanistan and just the um just the devastation um and just the, the, the mangled bodies that, and these I'm talking about young I can say kids right I mean they're adults but just young men uh, and mostly men uh 18 19 20 and all I can think about you know, was my sons, you know, and, and if my sons were in this position or in this situation, you know, who would be there for them? Um, So every time we got a call that we had a hero coming in, um, both me and my commander, we made sure that one of us was there because we did not want somebody to say, oh, I'll just sleep in on this one because somebody else is going to go. We made sure that, that we were, that we were going to be there. And uh, because, Although Staff Sergeant Francisco Martinez, the first soldier that I lost in uh, Iraq <laughs> uh, in 2003, November 4th, 2003, I improvised explosive device on his convoy coming to deliver the mail oh. uh, just to make sure soldiers were, you know, getting some something from home. Oh. And Martin, Sergeant Martinez was a, was a big guy. We called him a heavy drop because, you know, he hit the, hit the ground, an airborne paratrooper hit the ground. You can <laughs> feel it. You can feel it shaking. And, and. I mean, just an amazing man, an amazing young soldier. Um, You know, it was just devastating. And although he was in the convoy with a few other people, as his leader, I was not there for him. So I vowed when me and my commander went to to Afghanistan in 2012, you know, we talked before and said, hey, we're we're gonna be there for those uh, soldiers that are coming in. And when we did that and we went to the, what we call the ramp ceremonies, if a soldier, uh, unfortunately lost their lives. You know, we, we do a short rap ceremony to uh, honor their their service before they are flown back to the United States of America. Um, so yeah, just all that and seeing those young men just brought back something just, it just clicked was like, I guess this was the time. I mean, it was a bad situation, but Staff Sergeant Martinez, all the those st- Gonna be blunt here. Stank ass men, my mom's boyfriends, touching me and bothering me. My fucking cousin touching me and bothering mm. me. In the army, my drill sergeants, hemming me up in the office, and you know, coming to the to, to the to the rooms and different. It was just, it just all came back because it was so much devastation. And I guess that devastation for me that, that I had compartmentalized, it just came to the surface. Now, I, I still had to, while I was dealing with that, and I'm like, what the hell is going on here? You got, you know, rocket propelled grenades going off. You got we going out on convoys. But I still have to stand up and be the leader that I am. At that point, I, in my, for my definition, and I know the definition of it, I was not going to necessarily show that. The weakness, because if I wasn't confident in myself or if I thought that my mental fortitude wasn't strong enough for for my soldiers, for me, that was weakness for me. That doesn't mean that you are a weak person, just some weak things that, you know, may may happen in your life that you that I could not at that point bring the surface. So I had to hold on and maintain until, you know, I got back to the United States of America. Thank goodness for a few of my peers, my buddies. I didn't talk to them about it. But, you know, we would hang out together on our breaks. We would go to lunch and together, or dinner together. And so that was some relief for me, knowing that my soldiers were well. That was some relief for me, knowing that they when we went out on these convoys that we were trained, that was relief for me. So I didn't have to, you know, bring that to surface at that point because it wasn't the time for that. I had to make sure everybody else along with my other leaders that those people that needed the help then those heroes that needed the help then that we gave them the help that they needed at that point cuz I'm I was strong enough to hold and to bear that pain and that adversity and for me that's courage that's that's the strength within us you know
0: Amen amen to that amen. so so Tanya when does it become time to take care of that that is underneath the surface for you
1: Yeah um the time came when uh, we, we came back from deployment, we redeployed uh, in 2012, and I was assigned to the Pentagon in Washington, DC. And I rem- remember this day, um, wasn't there long, I don't remember how long I had been back, but it was still 2012, because I, yeah, it was the end of 2012, I believe. But uh, one day I was looking out the window at my office at the Pentagon, and I said, this is the day that I'm gonna go for a swim. So I told my buddies, I said, you know, it's a nice day outside. I'm going to go for a swim. And so I got in my car, went downstairs in the parking garage. I got in my car and I'm telling myself the whole time, this is the perfect day to go for a swim. Now, mind you, I cannot swim. But I was going to drive my car off a bridge because I knew I could not swim. But I ended up. Yeah. I ended up at Fort Belvoir. Um, hospital on Fort Bel- in Fort Belvoir, Virginia, at the mental health counter, and I said, I-, I-, I need help. And so that's why I said all these things that happened to me, all the bad things, the terrible things that will have somebody in the corner curled up in the fetal position, it just made me strong enough because at that moment... You know, I I may not be here. I would have left a legacy of suicide for my for my sons. And I did not want to do that because they were at the forefront of my mind. Martinez was at the forefront of my mind. All those young soldiers, those young men were at the forefront of my mind. And I wanted to live so that they could live. And thank goodness for my mental fortitude and and my my mental strength. And I was able to go there and get some help. And at that point, uh, Fort Belvoir Hospital with my mental health uh, physicians and the V.A., uh, there in D.C., the mental health physicians. And at that point, I was introduced to Wounded Warrior Project, which carried on some some much needed treatment. How did they help? Wow. <laughs> Whew, several different programs. You know, we have several resources and programs that we offer to 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 our warriors. But the Warrior Care Network uh, is what really um, is a part of what help my mental health or help my, improve my mental health. And that's a program or uh, uh, resource uh, where we have four ro- world-renowned hospitals that concentrate on post-traumatic stress disorder, traumatic brain injury, and military sexual trauma. And it's a two-week, three-week program, and you're there on campus, and you go in and you get all this extensive treatment and extensive uh, counseling and therapy.
0: And was a was it mostly talk therapy did, was there any medication I mean did they did yeah they take that all way? of that
1: I mean it, yeah. it's a it's a gamut of things the medication um oh, I forget I forget some of the the things and I should have had it written down that's, but, um, that's fine yeah I mean but it's just a gamut of mental health um scientific treatments that that help uh that help the veterans um there at the and I was in Atlanta at the Emory Veterans Hospital mm-hmm. yeah. So when that was did one you, of the main, I'm sorry, that was no, just one of the main ones. And then our talk program, and that's a one-on-one uh, telephonic mental health support line where you get a, a counselor that calls you every week um, and you discuss your, you know, how the week is going and those type of things. We have Project Odyssey, uh, well, that's a venture-based program. We have an all-women's Project Odyssey. We have Couples Project Odyssey. Um, and I volunteered with our national campaign team uh, when I got strong enough to where I would go out and spread the word about how Wounded Warrior Project uh, helps veterans and their families with with our resources and our programs. When did you
0: know that you had sort of turned the corner?
1: (laughs) When did I know that I had turned the corner? Well, uh, it was a nine-year battle. Wow. Yeah, a nine-year battle uh, with PTSD, anxiety, severe depression, I was prescribed antidepressants, sleep medication, pain medication, mood medication, and I mean, just tons of meds. We had to get all that, um, you know, stable. And, and like I said, it, it was a tough battle. But now, you know, I get to live this wonderful life and I get to live a wonderful life now because I had to fight for my mental health and I had to fight for it in a healthy way. Um, so it took it took a while. But when the Warrior Project was there with me the entire time, I mean, still to this day, I talk to my talk counselor, Seneca. Um still to this day, my um my counselor with Emory, Dr. Mark Burton, we may reach out every blue moon. So Wounded Warrior Project, we we don't give up on who we help. We will we are there from the beginning until the end and and to include family members.
0: That's that's tremendous. Yeah. As a lifelong runner and cyclist, I am stoked to announce that Defosi Optics has come on as a podcast sponsor. The beauty of Tifosi sports glasses is that they hit all the marks. They are shatterproof polycarbonate, so the lenses not only reduce glare, but also offer scratch resistance and complete eye protection. They stay put. They have little hydrophilic rubber nose pads that actually get more grippy the more you sweat. So they stay secure and don't slide down your face even when you're running in sauna-like conditions. No matter what sport you do, they have a shade for your activity, including tennis, fishing, pickleball, running, cycling, and just hanging out at the beach. And they are super reasonably well-priced, which is very hard to find in a sea of overpriced eyewear. And they just look freaking rad. So head on over to tafosioptics.com and use the code FM, capital F, and capital M, like feisty menopause, number 20, FM20, to get 20% off your order today. I'll put a clickable link in the show notes to make it a snap. Good sleep. The one thing that sets you up for a great workout and a good day is quality sleep. We talk about it all the time here on the show, which is why I'm stoked to have Lagoon Sleep as a new sponsor. Because one of the most overlooked tools in a great sleep toolbox is the thing you literally rest your head on eight hours a night, your pillow. A quality pillow is everything. Otherwise, you end up tossing, turning, punching and folding your pillow, waking up with neck pain and all the stuff that happens when your pillow doesn't meet your personal comfort needs. Say hello to the most comfortable sleep you've ever had with Lagoon. They start you out with a two minute personalized pillow quiz and then pair you with your perfect pillow. I got the Otter, a cooling adjustable pillow that is perfect for side sleepers who run warm at night like I do. It is a dream. It's fully adjustable, so I was able to get the perfect loft and support The beauty of the pillow quiz is you can get the perfect pillow that you need to and make your sleep the best sleep you can have. Go to lagoonsleep.com/hipplay slash play and take the two minute quiz to find your perfect match and then use the code HIPPLAY, play all caps one word for 15% off your first purchase sweet dreams. So let's pivot to menopause so. Uh-oh. Where, yeah. <laughs> Where are you in the menopause transition?
1: Mm. <laughs> I don't know if it's safe to say or whatever, but again, you can say stages, whatever you want on this show. <laughs> it's, it's like school, like three stages. You got elementary, middle, and high school. And I'll probably all of this bad, but <laughs> I, I I'm in the um, peri para no post menopausal stage. Um, yeah. So post stage, that's that's where I'm at. Uh finally got them 12 months of no cycle because honey, I was like, uh-uh, what are you doing <laughs> back here? Get away. Yeah. Terrible. I it, terrible. But you know, we these things women have to deal with the honey. Cause it mine started in 2018. I was about 50-51 when it started, it started in 2018-ish time frame. And like I said, finally got those 12 months and I had no idea kind of what was going on because, you know, I'm not, you know, we don't really talk about this. You hear about it, but you hear like, you know, you think of these old ladies, it. honey, no, that thing got me even though 50 is old, but that thing got me. And I was sitting in my desk one day and I said, "Ooh, what? I Ooh. almost <laughs> <laughs> broke my wrist trying to fan that heat off. But Yeah, yeah. So I think postmenopausal stage.
0: <laughs> what were your symptoms like besides the hot flashes? Like what what else were you dealing with?
1: Uh The hot flashes, hot flashes, that that's, that was the most overwhelming and exhausting for me because they were so unpredictable, you know? You just never knew when. Even to this day if I take this computer into my room, I, my my air conditioner is on 69, it stays on 69. I have my ceiling fan is on high and I have a side fan bed because like now my skin is, you know, it's it's warm to the touch. I like to stay in all these clothes or nothing. But um, I don't think I had a whole lot of symptoms like some women may have. Um, I, I do now have the weight gain, <laughs> some of the weight gain, but I, I work out a lot, too. So it's not so noticeable, hopefully. Um, uh, I think maybe that, you know, some of the depression that has something to do with, you know, some of the depression, I, I do believe that, especially after, you know, talking to you and, and going through some things and with my OB doc, um, think that contributed some of the depression, but I have, um I have an IUD, a, yeah, progesterone, progesterone IUD, and then I wear a patch as well, the estrogen patch. And that's given me so
0: much relief. Oh, good. It's giving
1: me a lot of relief.
0: Yeah. Did you know before you, you alluded to some of the conversations we had before this one, um, Were you familiar with the research on adverse childhood experiences and trauma with menopause before we spoke?
1: Not at all, (laughs) not at all. Yeah, Um, and I know, like we're talking now about this, Celine. I know, uh, and I do realize that things are, you know, discussions like this are getting better, right? For the medical field, scientific field, that you know comes down to us, the user or the 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 patient. You know, when I first started, maybe a lot of information wasn't out, you know, when my docs were uh, going, you know, trying to figure out what was going on, but now different things are being discussed. I have not, I was not aware of this part, how we're discussing now with uh, maybe some childhood trauma um, could be a cause of some of the symptoms, meaning, you know, just the the effects of menopause. Yeah. um,
0: Yeah. And for those who who are, um, who haven't heard the previous shows, I've done a couple of shows on this that. Um, adverse childhood experiences, trauma, and it's all because of how it affects like the HPA access, you know, your stress mm-hmm, response mm-hmm. that you you are more easily in that sort of fight or flight. And, and that becomes more difficult naturally when you get into menopause and cortisol levels are higher and, and it can just like the, all those experiences, you know, the medical studies show lead to a rougher time in, in menopause. And it makes, you know, it does make sense when you think about it. it yeah, does. but a lot of people don't put that together. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that this is important because it's another opportunity, right, to help other women because I got the Wounded Warrior Project report that Tracy Farrell had sent me and 44% of, you know, women warriors indicated experiencing sexual assault. That's 2.5 times higher than the general population. 57% have experienced Severe depressive symptoms or moderate depressive symptoms anxiety um and unsurprisingly the vast majority eighty seven percent feel that those outside the military do not understand their experience yeah. and I am sure like that makes a hundred percent sense right right honestly, how can we um so how can we help veterans like yourselves as well as you know younger women who are in active military now like how can we how can we help them through their their menopause experience when they get there and, and get the help they need, even, you know, beyond menopause.
1: Yeah. You know, uh, with the statistics and, the, and all the information that you got from Tracy Farrell, you know, we we do know that that women veterans can face some of the same things that their male counterparts face that some of our male counterparts face um, we face that and more. I can personally speak for that myself with, you know, having PTSD and anxiety, but but some women are, are twice as likely uh, to have those, you know, mental issues or uh, illnesses uh, versus men. But despite facing all those tremendous challenges, women warriors you know they still remain ze- resilient and, and continue to s- seek the support. And that's what we have to do. We have to continue to seek the support, the resources and connect with other female veterans. Because regardless of, you know, male or female, uh, we, we all want to have a, and deserve to have a, a, a sense of belonging. So and this is and, and doing this, uh, Celine, we we you know thank you for this. And with Wounded Warrior Project, shining the light on, you know, discussing this topic. Um, that's how we do it. That's how we make the connection. That's how we seek support, because now the information is getting out there that you do have a team here with you that can that can help you and support you.
0: And if, if somebody wanted to, whether, you know, if they're a veteran and they think that they are going through, you know, a bad perimenopause or they're having like some of the things that mm-hmm. are more nebulous, like their anxiety is coming up, maybe they're getting depression, right. rage, like all the things, um, would they go to the VA? Are they well-versed in sort of women's health at this point, you know, to help them through their menopause journey?
1: Yeah, absolutely. They, they are. Um, yeah. The Veterans Administration, um, your, your primary care doc and other VSOs as well, Veteran Services Organization. But, you know, if a veteran, I would say seek help with the VA, right? Wounded Warrior Project, is, I don't know if you can see this thing, this logo here behind me, but that's what yep. we do. We we, we we fill in the gaps. We're here to carry you when you can't carry yourself. You can contact us at Wounded Warrior Project at WoundedWarriorProject.org. We refer, not refer you out, but can help you and give you, you know, advice and stuff for the VA. But Highly encouraged our, our veterans, are warriors, to use the Veterans Administration. Again, the, the docs are well-versed in this. And if you're listening, you can talk to them about this and bring it up because you have to care for your health as well as the docs care for your health. And we all work in this together too, because we want our, um, our warriors to be, you know, to live that wonderful life like I'm living now. You know, it was, it was a tough nine years and I still have my bad days, but Wonder Warrior Project right there, I, I got it on right here. This, this is what we do. We carry each other you know, um, to help. And, that's, and, and we're here to, to honor and and um, empower our veterans for those who pledge to protect and serve our, our, our country. That's that's what we're here for.
0: Talk just a little bit more about the Wounded Warrior Project and like the mission. And because you said it sort of fills that gap, but how does, I know how you came into it. How does someone else come into it? Like what is what is the mission statement of Wounded Warriors and how, does, how do people find themselves in the Wounded Warrior Project?
1: Yeah. So to honor and empower our warriors, that's our, you know, mission statement. And that's exactly what we do because we want to respect them. We see the value in them. Uh, you know, that's how we honor them. And then we want to empower them so that they can now, you know, have control over their lives and, and get the treatment and the resources and the help that they need. Um, again, contacting woundedwarriorproject.org as simple as that. they will be contact uh, connected to our resource center. And from there, you know, we find out a little bit of information about them and what their needs are. It could be, they may have their uh, benefits, but they may be looking for employment. They may be looking to connect with other uh, veterans, women veterans, we have um, uh, alumni programs that offer women veterans um, and peer peer support uh, groups uh, where women veterans can make a connection and build camaraderie uh, in a community. We offer uh, mental health and wellness programs tailored for each veteran. uh, Financial wellness programs. We just go on the website. We have several programs, and those programs, they—I mean, we may have twenty, we may have twenty-five, we may have you know less than that. It depends on what the warriors' needs are. Uh, All of our programs are based on what the warriors' needs are.
0: And I will definitely put a link to that in the show notes so people can find it easily. This is going to come across as a really dumb question, but what? What qualifies as wounded?
1: So a veteran uh, post 9-11. So when we think wounded, sometimes we think of the visible wounds, like an amputee, or you may see a burn or something, but we have our invisible wounds as well. Like for me, post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, some soldiers have uh, traumatic brain injury. I have, you know, victim or, you know, military sexual trauma. So we have our visible and invisible wounds. Um, And so they're wounds and
0: illnesses. Gotcha. No, that makes yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. So what do you do? Like, what is your, um, most of your time spent doing now? In- well, I am so damn retired
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I live in sunny Tampa, Florida. You know, and I, I have a, I have a great life. Um, but I will tell you that, um, because of Wounded Warrior Project, and they made such an impact on my life that I came out of retirement and went to work for them as a spokesperson, motivational speaker, where I get to travel the world and share my story and um, be an outspoken champion or advocate for veterans, for mental health, um, for physical health, and for military sexual trauma.
0: Oh, that's great. That is awesome. It has been an honor to have you on the show and to speak to you. Is there anything that we have not covered that you wanted to express to the audience?
1: Um, well, I'll say that, um, you know, throughout my 57 years in life (laughs) that I've learned a lot. Um, and I don't know it all, but what I do know is this, and that is that life doesn't give you a second chance, but it will give you a fresh start.
0: Well, that's our show. Come on back next week. When I sit down with women's health and fitness coach, Jazz Moffat, who is also the co-author of the Female Body Bible and the co-founder of The Well, which provides health and training resources for females in every stage of life. We have a great conversation about adjusting training and nutrition through the menopause transition. So come on back for that one. And until then, as always, stay feisty.